I'm going to talk to you tonight on purpose. Uh, so I put together, I got all your scriptures right there in front of you. Uh, so I won't even have to be flipping. I've got uh, a few I'm going to use tonight. We won't have to flip uh, through the Bible. They're right there in front of you. Uh, so let's take a look tonight first, and uh, you can be seated. We're going to read through these. You don't have to stand for uh, the word tonight. Uh, I know that we honor it. Uh, but Luke 12 and 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, when you search that word out, it means greed to the point of an out-of-control appetite. Take heed and beware of greed that gets out of control, for man's life consisteth not, or is not, solely purposed in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, I'm not going to go off into this parable, but this sets up the parable. I call it Mr. Big Barnes. Um, I, I, it, that's my name for it. If you go back and you read the parable that follows this passage of Scripture, you'll find a man that was so blessed, he had so much wealth and so much accumulations that he was tearing down his old barns to build bigger barns to hold all that God had blessed him with and all that he had accumulated in his life. And the word came that very night while he was bragging about his new big barns and all that he had, thou fool, thy soul this night is required of thee. He had spent all of his time working so hard to attain so much that he forgot to take care of the most important part, and that was his soul. He was very rich in earthly possessions, but in heavenly currency, he was bankrupt. So that's what this scripture sets us up, to be aware and to take heed that our appetite for things don't get so out of control, that we forget to take care of the most important thing, and that's making our calling and our election sure. And uh, it's very easy to see that that is the trend of our world today, and uh, men are constantly reaching to gain new things, better things, a new this, a new that, a new toy, a new gadget, all to find out that, almost like the wise man said, it's all just vanity vexation of spirit. Amen. Praise God. All the shiny wears off. All the new fades, all the beauty fades. Amen. It gets old. It's just a never-ending cycle. Replace, replace, replace. Gather, gather, gather. And he said, don't get like, don't be like that. Amen. Second Timothy 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, I could spend a whole lot of time right there, 
because we are definitely living in that age, amen, where people search for something that is pleasing to them rather than uh, uh, measuring it by the word of God, amen. You could find a church today that will preach to you just about anything you want to hear. They'll tickle your ear, and they'll take your tithe, and they'll pat you on the back, and they'll send you out the door and tell you everything's okay. Amen. They will. But it's got to align to this word. If it doesn't align to the word of God, as far as I'm concerned, it's a fable. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to move on. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In those two scriptures, you can find the meaning of life or the purpose of life in a nutshell. Watch. Be aware, take heed, understand what's happening, endure. You got to go through a few things. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Work. <laughs> That's an ugly word in this, in this society, isn't it? Work. Prove. Right? Fight a good fight, finish your course, and keep the faith. That's what Paul did. And if we can do that, we're going to be able to say, just like him, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. Finally, I want to finish up with Psalms uh, 90, and we'll jump into it uh, tonight. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath, we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore and ten, seventy years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, eighty, yet their strength, uh, la yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Here's the key. So teach us to number our days. Make sure that we make every day count. Make sure that every day has a purpose, that every day has something that matters that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. God's given us a gift of life today, and it is a very wonderful experience. And in Christ, we can learn to appreciate Life's challenges, life's purpose, and life's potential. And that's what we're going to talk to you about tonight, the purpose of this life. When you think about life, um, it's probably easily understood in a senior crowd like this, an adult crowd like this that's come together for a Bible study, that life comes with no promises and life comes with no guarantees. Amen. I figured everybody would be on board with that. Um, who we're born to, who our parents are, where we're born, uh, what physical, mental attributes we have, talents, giftings, things that we possess, 
really are nothing more than just mere chance. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. And we all rise every day and we confront life's demands one day at a time. I tell my, my kids at school all the time, they got up just like you did this morning. They had to brush their teeth because their breath stunk, right? We all got the same flesh suit we wear, the same struggles, the same, right? And life is an ebb and flow. It's a give and take. It's a back and forth. And if you've lived for any amount of time, you know that it can be filled with great, great joy. And then at the turn of a hat, it can be filled with pain and heartache. Anybody testify to that tonight? Life brings us generous gain, and it also brings us heavy loss. Uh, some lives, it seems, are tremendously blessed with love and kindness, while some seem to be unfairly visited with bitterness and hatred. But through it all, with all the ups and the downs, God watches over each and every one of us, and he waits patiently for that moment when we reach out for fellowship with him. Because when you really measure it down and you bring it, an individual is not truly complete until they have come to know God through the power of repentance, had his name applied to their life through baptism in Jesus' name, and been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen? The real life begins when you are born again. Anybody believe that tonight? Paul explained it like this, the completeness of life to the church at Coloss, Colossians 2 and 10, and he simply made the statement, ye are complete in him. That word complete means made full, it means satisfied. It means perfected. Everything that we have need of comes through Jesus Christ. Anything else is going to leave you wanting. It's going to leave you lacking. It's going to leave you desiring. The only place that we find complete fulfillment, perfection, is when we give our life to the Lord. When we live according to God's plan and design, life is wonderful. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a, a bump or two here or there. But listen to Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living Soul. In order for us to truly live life to the fullest, we've got to start with an understanding that life is a God-given, God-breathed gift and capability. Without his breath, without his touch, we would not be here. David acknowledged it like this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 and 14. Life is wonderful and it's miraculous and we are to live it in the fear and the reverence of God. 
David also asked this question, Psalms 8 and 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visiteth him? Even with today's scientific knowledge and the technology that we possess, mankind is yet to fully comprehend the mystery of life. Hear people talk about the mystery of life. David wasn't the first one to ponder uh, about God and his relationship. He may have been the first that was uh, as poetic and as, as so uh, eloquent, but he questioned if God is so powerful, if he's so holy and he's so perfect, how is it possible he can be mindful or aware of us? And his question relates not only to the creation of life, but also to the wonderful mystery of God's limitless love for mankind. Because God is the creator of life. We still believe that. Amen. God is the creator of life. And as mysterious as life's beginnings may be to us, the real question is not about life itself, but about the meaning of this life and God's purpose for creating us. In other words, here's my question tonight. Why me? Why here? And why now? Amen. God has, has placed on each and every one of us a specific purpose tonight. There's a unique value on every facet of God's creation. Nothing that God uh, created was accidental. Nothing was spoken into existence in a haphazard manner. But every created thing has a purpose and a reason for existence. And we absolutely cannot be an exception. In fact, when you look at us and you look at God's plan for us, He created us for the highest purpose because God molded us with His own hands. Everything else, He spoke, but when He got ready to create man, He reached down into dirt. We could spend a little time here. You know why we reap what we sow? Because on the third day, when he put the law of vegetation in the dirt and he said that the seed you put in is going to yield its kind, he spoke something and God can't lie. So when he said you put an apple seed in the ground, it's going to yield an apple. You put a peach seed in the ground, it's going to yield a peach. He put law into that dirt. And then he reached down with his hands Later on the sixth day when he created man and he started working with material that already had his law in it. So when he created us from the dirt that he had spoken law into, we've got a law created inside of us that whatsoever we sow, we shall also reap. And that's the one thing he said, I won't be mocked in that. Amen? That's why you can't outgive God. That's why you can't outrun things. I know we repent of things. I know that we put it under the blood. But rest assured, what we sow, there's law in us. God can't be mocked in that law. He can't go back 
on that law. Just like when you go and you get your seed to plant and you put it in the ground, you expect what you put in the ground to yield back to you. And we've got law working in us. And he created us with his own hands. And he made us a living soul in his image for the express purpose of having fellowship with him. Amen. We weren't designed to give shade to anything. We weren't designed to be food for anything. We weren't designed for anything but to give glory and honor back to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Our dominion, our, our, our leadership over the rest of creation was to be secondary to our first submission unto him and our worship and our edification of his great name. That's what he had purposed for us. We are the crown of God's creation. Everything he made, he stepped back and said, that's pretty good. That's good. I like that. But for man, for us, he said it is very good. One of, um, when you look at Adam, one of his earliest memories of God uh, uh, was, was, was when he would visit with him in the cool of the day. There was something special about that fellowship. There was something special about that relationship. And, and that personal and private fellowship between God and man is still what makes our life valuable and meaningful and worth living. If you get to a place where you feel like you don't matter and you feel like you got no direction and you feel like you got no purpose, start praying. Get into fellowship and communication with God because he desires that in the first place. That's what he created you for. And when you start communicating with him, I promise you, God will start communicating back with you. You'll start finding some things that you didn't know existed. Jesus said it like this. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Mark 12 and 27 is that scripture. Dead men don't praise God. They don't communicate with God. But the beauty of life is to be committed to obeying, praising, worshiping, and serving our God. Nothing tonight can compare to a life given to Jesus Christ. No amount of possessions, no amount of wealth, no amount of talent is able to take place of a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know tonight that it is possible to live a life completely without God, without any reference, without any acknowledgement of his love or his existence. Regrettably tonight, millions of people live every single day without the benefit of God's guidance and his leadership. But for us that are hungry to know the truth and the purpose, the will of God is that we know him in a redemptive relationship and that fellowship that was lost in the garden can be restored. Amen. 
During his ministry, Jesus gave the clear purpose of his birth when he said this, John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Through the abundant life that Christ promised to us or gives to us, we're able to realize our true potential in him. And we can please him, and then we can possess his peace, his love, and his joy. Paul preached to some Jewish philosophers. They were uh, standing uh, by an idol, and uh, they were looking, and it was an inscription to an unknown God. And this is what he said to them. It's in Acts 17. He said that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him. Though, here's the key part of that scripture, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. No matter where you are in your walk with God, he is not far from any of us. Amen. That scripture has always been a comfort to me to know that even when I feel like possibly I'm a million miles away from him, I can look back in his word and find that he's not far from me. Amen. We used to say he's just as close as the mention of his name. Truly, David brought the wonder like we all would have. Why is God so consumed with man? Who are we that he would look upon us? But that's his desire. Amen? I'm thankful for that tonight. I'm thankful that even when it feels like we get away from him, he's not very far away. Um, If life is to be lived to its potential, it's got to be lived through Jesus Christ. I know that sounds like a broken record. But it's the truth tonight. Only Christ brings hope for our lives, which without him are completely hopeless. Without him, we have no hope. Um, when, we, when, we think about, when we think about the beauty of what the Lord has afforded us, um, the responsibility falls on us to seek the Lord until we find him. Amen? Um, In other words, to live with Christ should be our chief priority, the thing that we hunger for and desire the most. To choose to live otherwise is to frustrate the will and the purpose of God for each and every one of us in this place. Amen? God desires fellowship with us. He desires us to seek after him. Um, Time has a way of changing every life. We go from early childhood. We see new discovery. It brings excitement. It brings fascination. We move into the quiet of old age, but God works in our life all the while making all the difference. The Spirit of God is the difference between a life lived without purpose or direction and one that finds purpose and direction. Amen? When we look at 
the power of the Spirit, we understand that His Spirit gives us power to overcome every obstacle that life will bring. Each phase of life offers us new challenges, new adventures in the Spirit, and it moves us ultimately toward spiritual maturity. That's the goal. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul related or compared physical maturity to spiritual maturity. Just as we grow physically, we're supposed to grow spiritually. All the phases of life should reflect an ever-changing process. Our human bodies go through it naturally. We mature, right? Our understanding grows. Our knowledge grows, right? The spiritual person, the spiritual man should also mature in the grace and knowledge of God. Now, I, I deal with kids. I'm at, I'm at a school all day. I see a whole bunch of childish things. And uh, certain levels of immaturity at certain ages are acceptable. You got to understand what you're working with, right? Amen? But the same immaturity from an adult is going to get a frown. Right? <laughs> Spiritual immaturity in an adult Christian should bring us cause for concern. We should start to wonder. We should start to worry, right? Let's look at what the Scripture said about it. Book of Hebrews. This is what they wrote. Hebrews 5, 12 through 13. For when the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you. And you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Just as people mature physically and gain wisdom and insight into life, the child of God should also mature, gain strength and understanding in the Word of God. It's unrealistic to believe a child could survive its entire life on nothing but formula or milk. Right? Sooner or later, that child has got to take on some added nourishment from another source. Something solid. They've got to expand their diet because it's a necessary and essential part of growth. It's easy to see in the natural. But when we couple that back to the spirit, as Christians, we are to grow spiritually and increase our spiritual diet as well. The Word of God teaches us that those who hunger and thirst after Righteousness 
shall be filled. That's Matthew 5, 6. When you are maturing as a Christian, you are able to receive a strong spiritual diet from the richness of God's Word. There are so many nuggets. There is so much wisdom. There are so many beautiful things to discover in the Word of God. I often hear people say, every time I read the Word of God, I find something new. That's the way it's supposed to be. As you mature, as you learn more of Him, as you draw nearer to Him and closer to Him, the more understanding. That's your maturity proving itself that when you open the Word of God, I found something new. It's not that it wasn't there before. It's just now you have the understanding to receive it and to find it. We could put an English book in front of a, a toddler that belongs in a college, and they wouldn't do very well with that. But give them some time. Let them go through their classes. Let them advance. Let them go through the proper training and routine that's designed for them. And one day they'll get there. Man, it's the same way with us. That's why some of that stuff is uh, still Greek to us, literally. Amen? But God opens our understanding as we grow. Amen? The bottom line is we must maintain a healthy and a progressive relationship with God. Why? Because the fact of the matter is life is tough. We started out talking about life is wonderful, and it is. But sometimes life is tough. And sometimes we just simply have got to endure some things. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? If there is any certainty in life, it is that life is uncertain. Events and circumstances arise that test our courage, it tests our patience, it tests our faith. I'm not talking about just babies. I'm talking about mature Christians. I'm talking about people that have been in this a while. There are things that happen, and it, we scratch our head. We don't even understand. It baffles us because life is full of little sometimes and sometimes big surprises. Amen. The smoothest of roads eventually develops potholes. And so is life, right? And guess what? Sorry to burst your bubble. Bad things do happen to good people. We battle serious illnesses. Good people. God-fearing people. God-loving, God-trusting people battle serious illness. We suffer severe financial loss at times. Good people. God's people. We go through difficult and painful family problems. Good people. God's people. And the list goes on and on and all occur in the lives of God's people. Not just the world. Amen? But us too. But we, thank God, are not like those in the world. 
We're not left to struggle. We're not left to battle by ourselves or alone. But God has promised for us to be an ever-present help in the time of trouble. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that every troubled season I've ever been through, he's always been right beside me. He's always been there. Because God does not always choose to eliminate the tribulation we face and the difficulties that we face, but he has promised one thing to us that we can count on. He'll never leave us by ourselves. Amen. That's the assurance that we have. His presence always brings peace. It always brings calm in the midst of every personal storm that life may throw that we may go. The Holy Ghost truly is the gift that keeps on giving. Amen? Satan's going to use every available trick to bring life's worst floods against us. His, his intention is to defeat us and to discourage us. But the Spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 59, 19, teaches us that the Spirit of the Lord is while the attack is coming, constructing and raising a standard against every attack that the enemy would bring. I'm thankful for that tonight. God has generously provided us with effective weapons against every assault of the devil. With God, we can be certain of victory. Even in the midst of adversity, God's presence gives comfort and peace. Philippians 4.13 said it like this. Paul told them, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, some people who read that might say, can a, can a Christian really do anything and everything? He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Can we really? You got to understand, that verse doesn't give us a blank check. It's not a license to do anything that's contrary to the will of God. But it does give us this assurance that Christ will enable us to overcome every temptation and every obstacle that comes up in life. That's what that really means. I can do all things. I can overcome. I can, I, can, I can make it through the trouble. I can make it through the storm because Christ becomes my strength. When it's God's will for us to live through a very difficult experience, he will not only be with us, but he will give us the strength, the ability, and the determination to make it through. Anybody ever been through a trial where when you look back on it, you just simply have to say, don't know how I made it through that, but by the grace of God, here I stand. Amen? Because that's the nature of life. Amen? Adversities are a normal part of life. There's, and, and, and because they are, and because we have strength, and because God's will and his plan and his purpose is to equip us and to get us through, we're left without excuse for not performing his will and finding our life's purpose. 
Amen? He will always make a way for us to bear every test of adversity. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Here's the key. But God is faithful. No temptation taken you, but is common to man. You ain't anybody special. What you battling and what you facing is not unique to you and special to you. You did not get the big test. You got what was common to man. But this know God is faithful. Amen. He didn't have to write anything else. He did, and I'm going to read it. He didn't have to write anything else. All he had to let me know was God is faithful. All right. But this is how he finished it. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. That's that scripture that we have paraphrased to say, God won't put more on you than you can bear. That's not a scripture from the word of God, but it comes from this particular scripture. How do you get out of a temptation? How do you make it through? How do you bear it? You remember that God is faithful. Amen. You don't sit down in the pity party and say, Woe is me. Why did this have to happen to me? Why is everybody always picking on me? Talked to two girls today. They were, they were about to pull each other's hair out. <laughs> <laughs> one of them said she lying on me she got my name coming all out of her mouth and it's all lies and I threw listening to it I said and this is what I told her I said honey you need to learn to know what you know and let everybody else think what they want to think Sometimes you just got to know what the truth is. And no matter how loud the enemy's screaming and, and, and how much noise he's talking and how much nonsense he's bringing, you just got to understand, I know the truth. Amen. God is faithful. God is good. He's not putting me through more. He's not torturing me. He's not, he's not, he's not doing this to me for any kind of pleasure. This is just... Living, no temptation above which is common to man. It's just there. But God is faithful. She didn't believe me today. They kept on. I finally had to tell them both in a very nice way to hush and just stop talking because I was tired of listening to them. Amen. But sometimes you... You just got to know what you know and let everybody else think what they want to think. She said, how would you feel if people lie on you? I said, they lie on me every day, baby. Who cares? I know who I am. When you know who you are and you know whose you are, it doesn't matter what everything says. Come on, somebody. 
That's what we got to understand when it comes to our walk with God. Because God's got a plan for us, and it's, it's beauty and it's perfection. God's placed his spirit and his power in us. The scripture said it was a treasure in an earthen vessel. Every born-again person, every born-again person has the treasure of God in an earthen vessel. But we are still imperfect and we are still incomplete. Amen? Because the scripture said that we're destined, Job 14 and 1, to live just a few days and it'd be full of trouble. Right? But God still invests his love, he invests his grace, and he invests his spirit into each and every one of us. The treasure of God's spirit allows us to survive every difficulty, every trial, and every temptation. Once our lives become victorious testimonies to God's power, his spirit enables us to triumph in difficult situations and circumstances. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8. We are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We got trouble. We got questions, but we're not distressed and we're not in despair. You know why? We read that other scripture up there, and we know that our God is faithful. Amen. I don't understand. No one is exempt from the troubles and woes of life. No one. I don't understand. There have been times when I have wondered, Lord, what are you up to? What are you doing? Amen. But I also remember the scripture that said, his ways are above my ways, his thoughts above my thoughts. Come on, somebody. I'm not always going to be able to figure out God, but I can always trust him. Amen. I believe it was Brother, I believe it was Brother Tenney that said, when you, when you, when you can't track God, you got to trust God. Amen. Say that again. All right, right here, originated out of this church. When you can't track him, you got to trust him. Amen. Praise God. Heard that all my life. God's good. He's faithful. Amen. Sometimes we, we, we get to a place in our life where we come up to a why. There's whys in life. You know it's not wrong to question why. As long as you keep your spirit right. Amen? It's okay to ask God why, as long as your spirit's right. You remember Lazarus? Lazarus, Jesus' friend, his buddy. They sent word, said, Lazarus is sick, almost unto death. Jesus sent word back, tell him, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. And he waited. He didn't go immediately. He stayed around for a couple of days. And what happened to Lazarus? 
He died. He died. They had his funeral. They had his burial. They sealed up the tomb. And they still waiting on Jesus to come. Jesus gets there four days later. It was important because he was trying to teach them something. The Jews believed that the spirit of a man hung around for about three days, but if he wasn't resurrected within three days, it was beyond hope. There was no possibility. That was a miracle from God. So Jesus waited till all their hope had passed. But when he came into town, he was met by the two sisters. The first sister that he met, was Martha. Martha was the one that was uh, uh, always kind of encumbered with things and, and doing things, right? And she didn't have that intimate relationship, that understanding. She was an entertainer of Jesus. But she didn't quite know him like Mary did. And Martha came, and she pointed her finger in his face, and she said, had you been here, Lord? Basically saying, why didn't you come? Our brother's dead now. Had you been here, Lord? And that was the words that she used. Had you been here, Lord? A little while later, Mary came, but the scripture said she failed. And in a different posture, she said the same words. Had you been here? Lord. It was the same words, but it was the spirit in which the words were used. One of them is accusing. Had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What took you so long? What was more important than your friend? And Jesus just walked right on by her. <laughs> but the other sister came and in a different posture, said, had you been here, Lord? And that's where we find Jesus wept. That one scripture we all memorized. And he said, take me to him. Because the way you question and the way you approach God determines the way he deals with you. He walked right by a grieving sister that he loved. He loved that family. He was in their home often. He loved Martha, but she came in the wrong spirit. But Mary came and said the same words, and he stopped him in his tracks, moved him, and said, take me where he's at. It's not wrong to question God when you get in a place. Just make sure your spirit's not jacked up. When you start asking him why. Amen. Praise God. I've had some things that I've gone through that I've had to ask God, why? Why? I don't understand it, but I trust you. I don't know why you've chose to do this, but I trust you. 
I've had to look at people that have walked in my office in the past for counsel and say, Brother Hodge, why are we going through this? And have to look at them and say, I don't know, but we got to trust the Lord. He's sovereign and he's faithful and he's good and he's going to bring something out of this that's going to bring glory to his name. Amen. Because sometimes we don't understand it. Amen. We don't fight against people, amen. That's part of my notes here today. Uh, we we, we got to make sure when situations come in our lives that we don't take that out on someone because oftentimes some of the main things we ask why about comes through a human encounter, Right? Ephesians said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The church and individual believers face powerful spiritual forces, spiritual persecution. The battle against evil is fought in a spiritual realm. It's fierce. It's real. It's fought in our hearts, it's fought in our minds, it's fought in our spirit, but we are not required to battle alone. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? The hand of the Lord is always protecting us and overshadowing us, and he will fight with us with his power and his might. Brother Chase said it's one of my favorites. God will fight for you, but he won't fight with you. Amen. We got to learn to give it over to him. Praise God. I'm not going to get through with this tonight. Uh, time is, 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 uh, is moving uh, rapidly. Praise God. But uh, anyway, tonight, uh, God has a plan and God has a purpose. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first. We've used this one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. One of the most uncomfortable and disturbing feeling is a sense of being out of place. A little girl got off the, the, out of the pickup line, and I've yet to figure out why they send them all the way down to send them all the way back up, but that's the way they do it, and they didn't ask me. But she got down, and I was waiting, trying to help direct these poor little babies. And she's in kindergarten, and she got there, and she just stopped and started crying. Sweetie, come here, come here. What's your name? She don't know her name. Whose class are you in, baby? She don't know. What grade you in, dear? She don't know. She just is crying, out of place, don't know, but this is what she was able to say. I get here and I get so confused. I don't know where to go. And I said, it'll be all right. Take me by the hand. So we walk, and here we go to the comfort of the teacher's class, and the kindergarten teacher said, Brother Hodge is not going to bring you down here every day. You got to learn where you're supposed to go. And I said, don't pay her no attention today. She's having a bad morning. 
I'll bring you down here every day if you don't know where you're going, babe. She was out of place. She didn't know where she was supposed to go. It was very disheartening for her. She knew that they told her to walk all the way down, and then she had to turn and go all the way back. She was out of place. It's very uncomfortable and disturbing not to know. The old saying said there's no place like home, right? We want to find comfort. We want to find peace in our heart and our spirits. But we've got to make sure we get in the right place in that fellowship with him. David said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. He was talking about early in life and early each day. We can find God when we're young. We can find him when we're old. But we need to make sure that we find him daily for his guidance. Matthew 7 and 7 said, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. The Lord's promises to us is that we shall find what we are seeking. And in closing tonight, if you want to stand with me, life is just simply far too short to risk not fulfilling God's perfect will in our lives. And he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us in this place. Amen. Ushers, if you'll come and get ready to help me tonight, we're going to receive our offering Give as unto the Lord tonight as he has blessed us. Amen. So much uh, I had tonight, but our time has run short. But I hope this has helped you and blessed you tonight to know that God's got a plan for each and every single one of us. And he wants to see us walk in the fullness of his spirit and in the power of his might. Amen.